Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello everyone, I'm back for another episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business and today I have the pleasure of welcoming a very special guest, Hannah Becco, who's a lawyer and a coach at the same time. Hannah, would you like to say a few words about um, what you do, what's your specialism, who you serve, anything you want to share with us or a fun fact, whatever. Oh, goodness, that leaves the door open, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> So what do I do? Goodness, it's evolved as it always does. I'm sure the same for you um, over the years. But um, I'm still a practicing commercial property lawyer. I've been practicing um, within my own business for the last nearly 10 years now, which is how I got into the world of, of, of business ownership, I suppose, as opposed to sort of um, traditional law firms. And then about six years ago now, I got into the trap of all the busyness, chronic stress, panic attacks, all the things that go with um, too much work, not enough sleep, too much pressure on myself, um, etc. And it was purely for my own interests that I got involved in the world of personal development and stress management and how to do things differently and better. Um, and then when I found out all the things that are available to us and how I could completely transform my life and my business to something that I really loved again. Um, I just thought it was too good not to share it with other lawyers um, and that they needed it so much because it was only then in my own sort of world of stress that I started to research and understand just how bad the problem is for for the legal profession I didn't know before I just thought it was me as many people do and I started to come across the scary statistics and um and all the research that had been done and I just thought this is this is awful you know we work so hard to get into our careers as, as you know it's years and years of hard work and dedication and then to to not be able to stay in it or to not feel that you can or to not enjoy it just seems so wrong so that's how I got involved in the coaching um mentoring and supporting the legal profession with all sorts of things from speaking writing I have podcasts um, and coaching and also going into firms and, and training internally as well so that's how I got involved in in all of that and I, I absolutely love it love doing that work do you know I wish I had you years back because <laughs> the, the level of stress I had um, was just phenomenal and I, I just I had probably a very good resistance to stress. So I actually pushed myself further than I should have ever had. And then once you, you cross the threshold, it's too late, you crash, yeah? Mm. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting you say that actually, because I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there is a huge resilience to people who go into the law because, you know, as we know, it's not easy to get into the studying, the application process, you know, it, it's not for the faint hearted, you know, you are pretty resilient to get into it in the first place. 
I think what I found and I see a lot, especially with with burnout that you hear people talk about a lot now, is that it's not just the stress. There's all the stress and then something else happens. And that something else might be a health issue. It might be something in the family. It's just one more thing that then takes it from stress levels I can just about cope with to I, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And I think that that tends to be what happens. I mean, that's what happened for me. I was I was loving my business, even though I was stressed out. And then I, you know, my dad phoned to say that he'd been diagnosed with cancer. And that was it. I just couldn't take yeah. anymore. And I think that's what it is. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back sometimes. So what's really interesting is when I left the legal profession, I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist. And one of the first thing we learned is the um, image of the bucket of worry or the bucket of stress. And so if it gets to a certain level and it's always full, then the smallest thing is going to tip you. Mm-hmm. So um, it kind of matches perfectly what you're saying. But I want people who are listening to us to know that you have so much to offer, not just for lawyers, not to say that I don't know if you want to work with people who are not lawyers, but I'm having this conversation with you as well, because I've listened to your podcast. It's absolutely amazing. Everything I've, I've heard uh, on your podcast, I felt could help me as a business owner, because you actually cater your, you know, you have a niche, which is beautiful. And I'm so happy that you have that niche because the lawyers need it so much. And I admire lawyers. I have met so many wonderful people, super creative as well. Uh, funny. I love the sense of humor. I mean, I don't know if it's because it's boot camp in there and you have to laugh to get through things. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think you have you have so much to offer. Your wisdom is, is really um, precious. And one of the things I loved, um, I loved all of the episodes, but I love that you brought in this, this, um, this partner in that new law firm that ha- manages things radically different. And I was like, oh, wow, I wish maybe I was a lawyer again. <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> but no, uh, this is not for me. I'm, I've definitely branched out um, of the legal field. So, um, yeah, but I think it's, it's really good. It's really good what you... Um... So you said what led you into doing this so you, you run the two businesses in parallel. I find that interesting as well, because a lot of people say it's not possible. You should focus only on the one thing. Um, how do you how do you find that? Oh, well, I mean, this is where I could do a bit of business coach mode. Um, and the truth is, it's not easy to run um, to run multiple things together. Um, I actually have three businesses now, but but for which one is only new. Um, but yes, it hasn't been easy at all for the last six years to run two together. Um, I wouldn't I'm not saying I recommend it or don't recommend it. Um, you know, always good to have a good business coach by your side if you do. Um, I suppose what I would say about it is that it takes longer to grow it. You know, if you're doing things in tandem you're going to be waiting longer to see results and you know what after six years I can look back and say I'm really happy with the place I am now you know I love the balance of the work I do I love the people I'm working with in both businesses but it hasn't always been that way you know it has been a very tough first five years I would say um I mean thrown into the fact that I had my youngest son in the middle there he's now nearly four so there was all that upheaval as well and there was my husband Yeah, Mm. my husband left work for a year to help me when the baby was born because I had these two businesses and two businesses and a new baby. 
not great. So there was a lot of upheaval that made it um, not the easiest route. Um, but it worked for me because, you know, with starting the new business and I was, you know, a financial contributor to the family, I couldn't just go all in to the new business as much as I might have wanted to at the time. The legal business produced my income. So I had to keep that going with, with the other business mm. on the side. So for me, it wasn't an option. And um, actually, it's definitely turned out to be for the best because do you know what? I cross-reference clients. It sounds ridiculous now. And I didn't no, think no, yeah. in, the beginning. in the beginning, I thought they would be two very distinct businesses. And in my head, they very much were. And people say to me now, well, how do you do it? You know, how do you go from transactional property law one minute to coaching lawyers or training law firms the next? So they're just meetings. They're just appointments in my head. You know, it, it's like today I'm, I'm doing a podcast with you. I might have a meeting with a client later. I might be coaching another client later you know there are appointments in the diary that may relate to one business or the other and now after all this time it, it sort of makes no difference to to me it's just fitting you know the, the the business akashic records in me wonders if it's really two businesses or if it's actually one <laughs> i would love to find out <laughs> Well, I mean, from a legal sense and to my accountant, it's one business. Um, it absolutely is. And as I say, the, the cross-pollination, if you like, of clients now, you know, I can be on a transaction with a lawyer on the other side who then we connect on LinkedIn and then they come to one of my trainings or they, you know, think yeah. about coming to work with me. So, you know, it's it, one feeds the other. Mm, I like that. Mm. I like that. Right, so now let's get to the, <laughs> the slightly different angle to your legal, uh, your legal work. Very, the very first question I want to ask you relating to intuition, which is the, the theme. I mean, it's business and intuition, really. Let's, let's put things right. But what, do you consider yourself intuitive? I, I do now, yes. I'm not, well, actually, do you know what? Looking back, I think I probably always was but I probably ignored it most of the time. And I'm sure this is something you must see with lawyers a lot. And it is, you know, it's part of the work I do with my, my clients is, you know, as lawyers, we're very rational, prefrontal cortex, logical thinkers. That's how we've been trained. You know, it's how we've been taught. I mean, even through school, we were told to prioritize things like maths and, and things to get into law, or I certainly was. And I think it, that shuts the door to a lot of intuition for a long time. And it's only when I got involved in the personal development work and, and this other world. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure what, what your view is on this, but, you know, the, not the link necessarily, but the route into more intuition that comes with more spirituality, which for me is the meditation practices and things like that, that I really rely on now. They're my absolute go-to. I mean, that's how I got out of chronic stress was, was meditation. Um, and I think the more I spend with practices like that, the more... I can rely on my intuition, the more I can actually hear it and trust it and rely on it. Um, so I would say now that I am, and I would like to think increasingly so, hopefully. Hmm. Well, I always say intuition is like a muscle. So the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Yeah. And I know I'm not the only one talking about intuition that way. I've, I've heard a lot of other people talk about intuition in the same way. But it's really interesting what you said, because I'm looking back on myself and I started my journey long before I thought I did. Um, when I was pregnant with my second child, 
uh, I had a bit of a, a crisis at home and I decided to, um, to do Zazen. Uh, I joined a Zazen meditation class, uh, which is on a, you know, sat down in silence on the Zafu. It's like this Japanese practice. And then half, I was pregnant as well, which was quite interesting. And halfway through it, you do um, 10 minutes of walking meditation and then you go back to your thing. Um, that really, really helped. And yet, you know, my podcast and my tagline now is that you can tune into your intuition without meditating for hours, uh, without wearing crystals or giving up coffee or wine. So that's a really important for me as well, because there's almost in this self-development space and um, almost like a fashion or a trend. And it's almost like, oh, if you don't do meditation, you're never going to be intuitive or you're not spiritual, whatever it is. And I recently explored my neurodiversity because I I show a lot of signs of autism and ADHD and because I have four kids on the spectrum it's kind of probably very natural that I am and I thought we're not people who can do meditation very well and I don't want to leave out entire you know sections of the population who could uh, I think everybody's intuitive and we just have to find our own way to access it and the way to access it is more to slow down mm. and becoming more aware of how what things happen and how our mind works. Um, so however way we can find that can do this, then, you know, we're on something. And it, But it needs to be fun for us and easy to do because otherwise we'll just give up, won't we? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and it's interesting you said that about um, your journey, because I, I often forget that even before I started my journey of personal development, um, I did hypnobirthing with my second son. So after uh... not very good experience with my, my first son, who's nearly 12 now, when I was expecting my second son, I was adamant that everything had to be different. And for me at the time, who I am now, it wouldn't seem like a vast departure, but who I was then, you know, full-time lawyer, you know, that was my life, didn't know anything else. And then suddenly I'm looking into home birth, reading all the books, hypnobirthing, you know, all that sort of thing. And that was, that was the first time I think that I started to listen to myself because I know when I had my second son, I was adamant that I was making the decisions. I was going to listen to my body. I was, you know, even as a parent to him as well, it made me parent differently because I trusted myself. And I think that's what a lot of intuition is about, isn't it? Is trusting yeah. yourself. You know, you might take advice from other people, hear what's going on, but ultimately you make the decisions. And I did with, with him and, and now with my third. And I think that was the first time really. You know what, you've touched upon something as well, because it's exactly what happened with me. My second birth, I decided I was going to take control, if that's possible, but at least a bit more. <laughs> yeah. And I did sign up for the equivalent of hypnobirthing back in France. Um, so, yes, I think that it's kind of started to seep in, I suppose. Mm. And I also had um, a GP who was a yoga teacher and she was amazing and I loved her to bits. And after all that stress I went through in my second pregnancy, uh, she recommended that I go see a shiatsu masters and then the shiatsu masters after a while I started having experiences when she was massing me, uh, massaging me I could see colors in my head 
um, I hadn't realized I always saw purple in my head, but when she did the massage, it turned to greens and blues and all that. And I had no one to talk to about it. I was like, what on earth is going on? And I assumed everybody did that. Everybody could see colors in their minds when things happened. But I don't, I suppose not because <laughs> I don't know. Does, does it happen to you? I don't know. No, it doesn't happen to <laughs> me. Happen to <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we've established that it doesn't happen to everyone. Yeah. And from there, I had this curiosity. I also brushed death three times before I moved to the UK, like really, really close. And that was a wake-up call that I was too stressed. I mean, I literally, I had a nodule that grew on my throat that nearly suffocated me within like two days. I had to have emergency surgery, all sorts of things. And so I started realizing that my body was trying to tell me things and that I'd better listen. But just like you, I just didn't trust myself at that point. Well, maybe you did. I, tr I still struggle to trust myself, mm -hmm. even though when I know, I just know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And like people think I'm super stubborn, uh, completely irrational. But yes. if I know, I know. And I just yeah. know. There's <laughs> mm -hmm. no way you're going to move me, even if I can't explain. Yeah. And I could see looking back that that's how I did law as well. I knew from the moment I was given a, um, a case or a, a project, how I should run it, what I should do, even though I was always given things that people had never done before, which was quite lucky because I get bored easily. So I was in the telecom industry and you know, it went from like this governmental kind of managed thing where you had terms and conditions for everyone. And in the business area, it started to become more commercial. There were lines that were installed for specifically for businesses. And then you, so you had to put contracts, uh, creating network, communication networks, all that sort of thing. And I was put on making those contracts for the first time. And that was a lot of fun. I knew from the start how to do it, even though nobody had done it before. But I never questioned it. Mm. It was like, because it, it happened so naturally for me, I never even knew what intuition was. And I didn't even consider myself intuitive. But then what happened is as time went by, I was able to kind of justify everything that I'd done through a bit of research or through some, some, some sort of, so it was more that I had the solution first and then I found the law to back up what I was doing. But yeah. most people did it the other way around. And, and it's kind of interesting to look at it that way, isn't it? Look at my hands. I'm like, you know, really excited. <laughs> oh, no, no, it is. But you know what? I'm just sitting here thinking what a loss. I mean, I know you love what you do now, but what a loss to the profession that was. Somebody who just knew, you know? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And it's actually what uh, one of my closest colleagues in uh, where I worked said to me. She said, like, well, she thought I was crazy. She didn't know the whole story that I was actually spat out by the whole system. <laughs> I was kicked out because I was just, I was not compatible anymore. Yeah. Was, I had grown so much over the years and I, I tried desperately to bring more spirituality, intuition, and human interaction into the law, but it, it didn't allow me to do that at that point and not in the context that I was. Mm. Um, so that was interesting. But enough about me. Let's go back to you. <laughs> Oh, how do you receive your intuition? Do you know? You don't have to know. But. I, I, I believe I hear, sounds silly, doesn't it? But I hear it as a little voice. And I don't necessarily mean it's literally talking to me, but it, it's a part of me. And it, it, it's, still, I suppose it is difficult to explain, isn't it? But um, yeah, it, it, it is. It's that part of me that's telling me 
it, it's it's me supporting me it's telling me what I need to know what I need to do um I suppose that's how I I hear it I, it's a feeling as well very much I mean I feel as though I almost hear the words a lot of the time but it is a feeling too it's sort of you know you're looking at this option or that option and there's a feeling towards which option it should be etc um so yeah it's a feeling or or, or maybe like a, a voice but that voice is me you know well that's how it feels yeah, that sounds I mean that that sounds perfect <laughs> why wouldn't there be a wiser self within you right that knows better. Yeah. I think, um, I love how you put it. And I love to listen how people, what words they use to describe their intuition because mm -hmm. it deepens my understanding of, you know, the variety of experiences because there's no right and or wrong. We all feel it differently. Yes, yeah. But I think, I think you know, we, we've sort of touched on it and you've asked about it already, but in terms of, you know, the past and what our experiences and things but I do think looking back that it really has always been there you know I always think you go back oh, to yeah. being a child I I very much had the same sense and I think this is where I talk about this in, in some of my work when I talk a lot about authenticity and I talk about how part of my journey was going back to me as a six seven year old um, because that girl knew herself that girl knew who she was and you know um, and so much of that person I lost through life's journey as you do and to get back to that is where all the work I do now comes from if that makes sense but yeah that that little voice, that strength if you like that because I believe there is a like you know I'm sure you do there's a strength in your intuition and in listening um you know as a as a younger person I did that but I lost it when I joined the world you know yeah I can see that. And if you don't mind me sharing my, it was about the same age. And how I discovered that is I was so curious of all the things I never gave myself permission to explore. So I signed up for a mediumship um, intensive one week course. And even though I had no intention of becoming a psychic medium, because that scared the wits out of me and I just didn't feel comfortable with it. When I looked back, I realized that when I was eight years old, I had this wisdom that would come out of my mouth. Basically, how my intuition works is you ask me a question and I answer it. But I know that the answer is much wiser than what I would say normally as a person. And I remember an instance when I was eight years old, because people always came to me for comfort, even though I was a misfit and a bit of a weirdo and, and kind of a, and, and I, I remember being with that person and saying those words and thinking to myself, this is this is wisdom beyond my years. I'm not wise enough at eight years old to say this. And that's how I kind of unraveled the whole thing, knowing that just like you said, I had it all along, mm. but I lost it. And at, the way I see it is I lost it through the educational um, system, yeah. through, my, my, through schooling, because school is, so, the emphasis is so much on the intellect. There's nothing for intuition to, to flourish there. And the little bit around art that could be there doesn't cater at all for that. Um, mm. But it's also through art that I also tapped into my intuition a lot more when I left the legal profession. I, I embraced my inner artist fully and that was also um, very powerful. It's actually, I started much earlier than that. And again, I, would, um, I did mosaics because it kind of switched my mind off when I did drawing. I was think, mm -hmm. overthinking too much. And I would, the first piece I did, I looked at it and I was like, like where did this come from? I have no idea. Because I never planned anything or anything. And again, it was that almost, I'm going to use the word channeling, even though I don't like to use it too much. 
because I think it's um it's a bit of a charged word <laughs> and people think that if you channel you're out there and I want people to understand that I believe in grounded intuition yeah um but that's where creativity comes from you know you suddenly write a song where did it come from you don't think your song it actually pours out of you yeah 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 uh. <laughs> oh, no I it, that reminds me of um is it Elizabeth Gilbert Big Magic I don't know if you've read that but she Absolutely. has a lovely um lovely uh idea in that book that ideas are all floating around whether it's an idea for art or a book or whatever it is yep. and they land on us and we either take it and do something with it like that mosaic or or a piece of music or we don't do anything with it and it will go off and find someone else. And I absolutely love that idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually, when I read her book, I was super excited because that's how I see books. Cause I started as a book coach, but that's also how I see businesses. Businesses are ideas Ooh. that come to you. They have a, a, a life separate of yours. Even if you're a one man or one person band, um, your business is still a separate entity from you. And as your business grows, it can become more independent of you in its, all its aspects. But initially, you're very, very close. Um, and it shows you for a reason, for all the different experiences you've had in your life. Um, that's what I've come to believe now, after all I've seen in the past. Well, yeah. you could say the past 30 years, because the 15 years as a lawyer and the 15 years as a, I don't know what. <laughs> Something out there. <laughs> a few spirits. I could always yeah, I could say yeah. that, that much. Yeah. Right, so yeah, I, would agree I, with I would love to hear the story that you the story of intuition that you've selected to share with us today uh, within your business. I would love, 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 love to hear that story. So tell us. Oh, thank you. Now, you asked me for a story and I, I undenied about what to do. And then when I hit on this one, it's quite emotional, actually, because it wasn't that long ago. So I was thinking about it. So what happened um, around uh, just under two years ago now, I think. Um, so I was I was a, a good sort of three years into trying to make my my second business um, work. And um, I spent some time I spent a week with a business coach and, and some other people as well and this business coach I'd known for a year or so before that done some work with him um, but this was the first time I'd invested you know fairly heavily and a, a week out of my business a week away from the family etc to, to go and, and do this work with him and I got my opportunity to set out my business you know this is what it is it's coaching and training for lawyers it's helping with mental health and stress and things like that because that was much more my focus that I talked about at that time um and I thought I'm going to set this out to him he's I know he's brilliant you know I, I've admired him for a long time I love his work I'll get some fantastic business insights from him you know this is going to be the turning point in my business this is where it's all going to work and all that sort of thing um so I went there very excited set it out and he just said it's not going to work he just said there's no way you are not going to get lawyers paying for mental health and stress um support they'll take it from you for free you can do it as a hobby business like you've been doing pretty much is what he said you know you can do it as a hobby but you'll make money in your legal business just forget this work in your legal business make money in that 
And I was, oh my goodness. I mean, I managed not to cry in that environment, but once I got back to my hotel room, I was talking to my parents, my other half, even my, my assistant in the legal business, I was speaking to her saying, you won't believe what he said. And, and she was, I mean, she was so angry, bless her. She's a huge supporter of mine, my, my legal assistant. She's been to lots of my trainings. And she said, no, your work is brilliant. It's so important. People need it, you know. And um, it was it was so hard because, you know, I'd almost made this decision before I went that I'm, in, I'm investing heavily in this to go, to take a week oh. out of my business so I wasn't earning. I was away from the family for that time, you know, um, what, what he says, I will do. That's what I'd said to myself, you know, he's the expert, what he says I'm gonna do. And basically that was the decision I was left with. Do I do what he says, which he says, if you want to be successful, go all in on your legal business and do this as a hobby and that's it. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, the more I listened, I listened to these competing voices of, well, he's the expert. You said you were gonna do what he said versus this really strong and it was it was an emotional reaction it was it was you know that's what it was was just no he is wrong I know he's the expert I know he's far more experienced in business than I am um and maybe in some ways he's right but he's wrong you know I'm that's not what I'm gonna do that's not what I'm supposed to do this is needed and I must keep doing it and that was nearly two years ago. And, you know, really, it, it, it I say exploded, but it sort of has exploded in the last year. Um, so I, was I love wrong. that you listen to your intuition. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And what a lesson. What a lesson. Yeah. You managed to stand up to an expert with it. Ah, this is just so good. <laughs> so, but what happened the second day of that week? You had five days to go and the guy had just kind of, did you just leave and he gave you a refund or did you continue with the course or? No, I didn't leave. I didn't leave. It, it was hard. It really was. It was hard to go back the second day. Um, but, you know, th- there were there were 50 other business owners there. And the, so there were a lot of people to learn from and speak to. Um, and I'm a huge believer in that, you know, we, we get whatever we can out of, of all these things yeah do you know whatever we choose to invest in sometimes we might turn around and say was that the best investment but I always like to think I got something from it um you know and I made some great relationships with people and there's other business things that have come out of that event since which is is all good um but yeah it was not easy it really wasn't easy to go back but a bit like you I think I'm I'm stubborn when I've decided that's what I'm going to do that's what I'm going to do I think I lived in hope that maybe I could persuade him round or that something would change um that didn't happen I did not persuade him round although to be fair I did speak to him about um something slightly different in terms of my legal business and and my uh, what I was doing with that and I did get some fantastic feedback from that that I have used. So I have used something valuable in okay. the business. Yeah. yeah. You're a legend. <laughs> Hannah, you're an absolute legend. Not only to just stand in your power, but also make the most of the situation as well, even though that was such a huge, like, frontal shock. Like, I think it probably felt like a car accident or something similar in the sense that you hit that brick wall of someone who says something to you. And, and you've got a question the power you give out to other people who you call experts, don't you? 
Yes, you do. But you're right. It was it was a shock and it was it was painful because um, because of the the years I'd already put into it, the money I'd invested and more importantly, the sacrifices I'd made with the family, you know, the trainings, the time away, mm. a very young family at the time I started the second business um, and everyone questioned it. My husband questioned it. My family questioned it. So I went against almost all those people. To, to create this business and so yeah you're right it, it was painful but it's all worked out the best <laughs> what I can see from the bigger picture is that every time you try to get approval from someone else you were pushed away so that you got back to you and trusting you yeah so people right. often service by being um, you know they're kind of messengers from something bigger to yeah. give us a message and and I think you finally got it <laughs> It's just like final, no, you're not going to get approval from me. I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right because nobody did get it all these years until now, until now they can see it really, really work. You did it, but that's because you're a pioneer, right? And I have the same feeling. Do you know when I left the legal profession and I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist, I had the same business idea as you. And I wanted to, I, I called it even healthy adrenaline. because I felt that lawyers were like and I even trademarked it you know it was like I was ready to go and then I thought no I'm not meant to do this and it's probably because it was you (laughs) or maybe the ID left me and went to you who knows (laughs) but I know in my bones it's a good idea it's a it's a very sound you you can feel it and you felt it and I honor you for that because Yeah. yeah it takes a lot of courage I talk a lot about in my epic framework one of the the C stands for clarity of what you want, clarity from your intuition, um, courage, because intuition without courage is nothing, and then confidence. And you build the confidence by taking action, which you did as well. So, yeah. I'm just like, oh, thank <laughs> I, you. I bow to you, Hannah. <laughs> oh, no, that's so kind. Well, it's interesting you say about courage. Um, and, you know, it's always felt like I didn't have a lot of choice. And maybe this is this is a part of intuition as well, because and, and this might sound silly, but I've said this to a few people. I feel the pain. It almost it, it makes me I feel the pain that the profession is in. And that, yeah. that, you know, the clients that I work with are in. And so I don't feel I have a choice. OK, someone has yeah. to. Have. Yeah. And you know what? I can see that. Uh, lawyers are in a lot of pain and very often we were talking about this with with one of my my only lawyer friend that I've kept from my lawyer's <laughs> days of how uh, well I mean it's maybe slightly different in France because in France there's only like there's two main ways to go into law okay one is because you're you've come from a family of lawyers so it's a very traditional like my dad was a lawyer and his dad was a lawyer and so it's like traditionalist but then in France at the time anyway when I was um studying uh there's another part which is I can't be an engineer so I'll be a lawyer (laughs) because it's the next best thing yeah right and and so that's a bit that's not exactly where I went because I could have been an engineer um in my case, and again, I'm talking about me, I'm sorry, but in my case, it was because I had other dreams and my parents convinced me that my dreams were not um, really realistic or that they were not the responsible choice. So 
So I went to see a career counselor and she said, you'd be good at law and languages. And she was right. I did extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was never something that I thought, you know, when I was five, when I'm, when I'm big, I'll be a lawyer. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what law was, was until I studied it. I was like, what is this thing? So because there's, a, there's only there's main two options. Um, where was I going with this? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> why why so it's painful a, <laughs> as a profession? Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people who are in the second category, they, they feel like, okay, I wasn't good enough to do science and be an engineer because in France, like engineer is like the best thing you could be with doctors and engineers. They're like the top of the top. Um, so you try to prove yourself because you're not good enough to be something. So you try to prove that you're good enough to be a lawyer, basically. And and these are people who usually work very, very hard uh, compared to other students. I mean, my goodness. And I was doing two degrees at the same time, translation and law. And they made no, uh, what do you say? Like we had to, we had no adjustments from one school to the other, from one place where we studied. Um, so I do feel for lawyers because they're these little troopers who just keep on going. And when you join a law firm, and I joined one of the Magic Circle law firms, it's like boot camp. Like I was, I felt like it was so feudal. Is that the word? Like the partner, and even in, within the department, was like a king, and I was his servant. I literally was his servant, and I had to go through whatever he said I had to do. And if it meant working 14 hours a day, then I had to do that. I had no choice. I felt I didn't have a choice. Of course I did. But once you're in the law firm, I know what I left after two years, they said, you'll never find another job because they were going to stop me from getting a job in another law firm. Cause they say like, it's a small, it was back then. It's like, mm-hmm. if the partner is not happy for you to leave, they'll try and talk to all their friends when they go and play golf so that you don't get a job. Well, actually I was going into, um, not a client of my law firm, but I was going into as an in-house, a, a legal department. So that wasn't an issue, but it was almost like they were telling me like, that's it, you know, you, you messed up your career. There's nothing left for you. <laughs> and there's so much pressure and you don't realize it until you get to the point. And then of course, if I had had ambitions of being a partner in that kind of law firm, I would have been continuing to try to prove myself and, and work even more longer hours and of course because I was a female in a relatively male environment then you feel you have to prove yourself even more I found that the and I, I hope that I'm not too stereotyping but I found that the female partners were almost worse than the male partners oh yeah um, yeah so it's that real boot camp kind of thing and I've suffered through it now you're going to go through it as well because that's how you you train a good lawyer it's by kind of you know like an army in that boot camp did you feel like that or is it just my experience yes well yes no I didn't do magic circle firm um I did I trained at a very good regional firm and and loved it I loved when I trained um but yes there's there's so much there that that resonates you know the idea that they are lawyers are so um driven you know I did three or four more GCSEs than I needed to do. I did five A-levels when I only needed to do three. 
you know, I was nearly burnt out by the time I got to university now, looking back, just in the, the oh my goodness, I need to get these A-levels to get into, you know, the best possible university to do law, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, because um, I was one of those strange people that knew from 13 that I wanted to be a lawyer. That was straight away, as soon as I thought about careers, I want to be a lawyer, only because I wanted a desk, a computer and a briefcase, and I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> so that left law, okay. you know, yeah. that was it. But, but I was determined, you know, that determination, that stubbornness that I've realised I, I have as well, you know, is just uh, that I decided and that's what I was going to do. And, and then the hard work came after that. Um, but yeah, there's so I think in some ways, maybe I have never fitted into the normal lawyer model. I mean, I only practised in normal firms for five or six years um, and I'm so glad that I got out and, and did it my way since then because you know I'm certainly not employable now and I'm certainly not I would never be able to go back into that environment because although I love to support them to do things better there's so much wrong with it and so much broken um, that I wouldn't want that for, for me um, because I just there's so much about it that doesn't work you know, and this year of, of, of pandemic has shown that more than ever. Give lawyers more autonomy instead of treating them like naughty school children. You know, the boot camp you've talked about, you know, these are clever, bright people. Some of the top percentage of intellect in the country, highly trained. Why do you need to watch them like children? Why do you not let them go and do their best work? You know, that's how I would run a business if it was me. But so that that's, yeah, it's um, it, it's still well, not... I, I know there's been some changes. So I, I don't want to break, paint a, a black picture. I just look back on my two years as in that law firm and, and I learned a lot. And I, I was, I mean, I, I made some great contacts. I learned a lot. You know, the people that were, I was going to say at my level, non-partners were absolutely lovely. Some partners were actually also very nice. I had... I still remember one of the, it was actually a tax lawyer and I worked in com commercial property, interestingly enough. So <laughs> and we, uh, we worked a lot together. It, it, it worked really well. So um, I just wish for, yeah, for the legal profession to, to move into the direction of being more, how can I say, supportive of their staff and uh, welcoming more, the intuition thing but you know the funny thing Hannah um I was shown in uh October 2017 that I would go back into the main business world and the very one of the very first people when I joined LinkedIn that booked a session with me was actually a partner in a law firm and I was like okay I can see it now I can oh, see it yeah. and it really warms my heart so you know I'm gonna just put this as a slice of the past. We're, we're way beyond like 30 years onwards. I know things have changed and you show because you, of your work, it, the world is ready for it. So let's just, you know, let's just spread the joy and the love and, um, yeah. and the well-being. It's the well-being that's most important and looking after ourselves, um, lawyers looking after themselves, for sure. Mm. And I hope yeah. there's some lawyers listening out there who <laughs> that will give them a permission to also embrace their intuition into their work and maybe yeah. even be brave enough to say, you know, I have a gut feeling about this. I think we should do it this way. And, um, and hopefully they can meet someone who are willing to, to do that too. With mm -hmm. them. So where can people find you, Hannah? Let us know where, where people can find you. 
Um, well, the biggest place to find me is LinkedIn. That's where I'm, yeah. I'm very busy on LinkedIn. So people can always connect with me um, on there. Uh, I do also have um, a website, which is authenticallyspeaking.co.uk. And I am, I am, well, I have a small YouTube channel. So there's some trainings and things like that on, on there as well. But yeah. LinkedIn. Remind me what your podcast is called, your new podcast. Oh, yes, podcast too. Um, so the new one is Build Your Legal Business. It's a really good one. I would even recommend it to non-lawyers. I really like it. And uh, I always like to ask one question of my guests. Uh, the last one I keep for, <laughs> it's the best. No, it's not. It's not I'm just joking. So what would you say to someone who's afraid to use their intuition in their business? Well, do it, obviously. Um, but do you know what I would say to them is, um, it is scary, especially if you're someone who's used to using logic and re re logic reason. Um, but it'll make things so much easier. And we've, I've been talking about ease a lot with some of my business um, friends recently that, you know, it doesn't have to be difficult. And do you know what? When it's difficult, you're probably not doing it right, like I did for the first few years. When you let it go, when you listen, as you say, to your intuition, that inner voice, whatever it is, it will be a lot easier and more successful. That's exactly my experience as well. So I'm glad that you're, that's your advice. Cause, um, and, I, and I like that you mentioned about the logic because uh, this week, I was on holiday for the last two weeks, but I just saw a quiz um, from a really interesting company that tries to sort out whether you're more logical or more into it, creative. They say creative rather than intuitive. For me, it's the same thing. Um, and I was as definitely on the logical side. I was like almost one, one below the top logical one. And I was like, so they were, the reports of the quiz was like, you could do with a, using a little more intuition. <laughs> so I, but I know that my default mode is the logic, uh, but I also know from experience, it has been maybe harder for me to trust my intuition for other people because Law is so structuring, it's so logical, even more in France than in the UK, because we have the Napoleon Code and everything is logic. It's like really based on almost like maths or like ration, or rational thinking that allowing intuition to come into that takes a lot of um, stretching, I would say. It's like if you put <laughs> the image I'm being shown, which is really funny, is putting someone that's rigid into a yoga class. <laughs> I think that's probably how it feels for lawyers. It's like joining a yoga class and looking at everybody being able to touch their feet and you're like that and you're like, I'll never do it. But no, do it, do it, do it because it will be yes. good. Yeah, yeah. But it can be baby steps. You know, I like your analogy yeah. there. Put somebody who's never done anything flexible before into a yoga class and they're going to they, they're gonna feel like a fish out of water. And, you know, lawyers don't like that, so they probably won't even go. Um, and I think that's what I've known. And again, this comes to intuition. Before I even um, started the business, I literally had the aha moment. I was sitting in a seminar listening to a life coach and I thought I could do that for lawyers. And it was literally, I ran up to him at the end and said, oh my goodness, now I know what I'm going to do with my life. Thank you. Um, I think he thought I was crazy. But you know, that moment I saw that I was going to be that bridge. I was going to be the bridge between the legal world that doesn't, didn't know any of this and, and, you know, doesn't get it yeah. to me who does get it now. And, and, and show them that there's that that way to join the two together. Probably very similar I to what you do. I love it so much. Thank you so much. And you know what? My younger self is really thanking you <laughs> for what you're doing. Oh. 
<laughs> right. I could talk to you for hours, but I think we need to come to, to the end of this interview. Thank you so much. People, um, I will put all in the show notes. I'm a little bit late on my show notes um, singing because I've been away for two weeks. But um, as soon as the show notes are ready, you'll be able to find all the details for Hannah. Um, and she's, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Maybe I'll have you again soon. I don't know. Oh. When your book comes out, you got a book coming, aren't you? Yes, I have. I have. Yes, The Authentic Lawyer. It is two years behind schedule, but everything happens at the right time, I think. So it will be coming. I love the soon. title. I love the title, The Authentic Lawyer. Ah, and we're going to be looking for that one. <laughs> Oh. Okay, thank you everyone for listening to this interview and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.